This is a fourth-hand production. It's hard to keep focused and keep doing what you're doing. And, like you said, money, you know, if uh, you don't get the funding, you're not going to get the research. You're not going to have the, the fancy experiments. So, you know, that's yeah, a whole other side of it. Yeah, I just keep thinking of them getting kicked out of the lab in Ghostbusters. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. My favorite show. One of them. Anyway. <laughs> story in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal are they are they ufos or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental i don't know planes that they're building Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. And Josh. <laughs> Here we are yet again. So, uh, hey, everybody. Uh, this is our monthly news or for TN news episode. Um, you know, despite the world falling apart and giant sun flares uh, eating us as a whole, uh, there's some other weird shit out there. So, you know, there's that. Uh, how you doing on your side, man? Just getting sun flared. <laughs> I know. Every, it's like every day I open up a news report and I'm like, oh, wait, oh, another one. Oh, it's bigger. I'm like, oh. Meanwhile, Vegas is flooding, and there's famine in Kentucky. It's just cra- it's crazy. It is a crazy yeah. world out there. So What a world. Yeah, isn't it lovely? But anyway, try to be positive. I mean, we don't want to be all doom and gloom here. But um, I was going to ask you, I never followed up uh, real quick. Did you get a chance to see Nope or no? No. Mm. No, we ended up uh, not going last weekend. Maybe oh, okay. this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think we got a pencil in for this weekend. We just got to stay out of the heat. We got a little bit of a of a heat wave over here in the great northwest that we're not used to. So I think it's supposed to get 103 Saturday or something like that. So anyway, but then back down in the 80s. Uh, and then the wife and I go to Vegas, so we're back up in the uh, high 90s, 100s. So, you know, in case we don't like the heat, it's evident that we do because we're chasing it for some fucking strange reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would go to Vegas willingly. I know, I know you don't like that town, but I don't know. It's been a while. We're gonna go uh, go see a concert. We've had booked for a while. It's wife's birthday, so it should be a should be fun, you know. But uh, I, it's funny. I'm not, not loud. I guess it's not funny. It's not great, but uh, you know, certain cities. And again, not to sound all weatherish, you know, I'm I'm not Fred Willard here, but the whole. Um, <laughs> That city is not built for rain, obviously. It's in the desert. And so when it does rain, even just a scoosh, just a little tiny bit, things flood. Like all those tunnels underneath where the homeless are at, they flood out. You know, parking garages and old casinos, like the Link uh, parking garage. Literally, you can't walk across the garage because it floods so bad that the the waves, will, the tide will take you away. Like it's just insane. And then I saw pictures uh, this morning of uh, they, they had a monsoon hit. And they had rain coming in the casinos. It came in the the sports book in uh, the new circuit casino they built downtown. It came into Caesars on the slot machines. Like I don't know who's building these buildings to not allow them to be somewhat liquid proof, but evidently fire that guy because Jesus. 
It's almost like building a city in the desert on mob money is a fucking bad idea. <laughs> yeah, right. In hindsight, maybe. Anyway, just a crazy. And I actually wasn't in Flash Flood outside of Vegas uh, a few years ago with a buddy of mine, um, Chris. Uh, and yeah, it's just crazy how, how the grind just doesn't take it. You know, completely wiped out a road in the matter, matter of like 10 minutes. It was just gone. You know, you, there's no way you could have passed it. It was, yeah, just crazy shit. So anyway. Yeah. Um, speaking of crazy stuff, I got a couple little updates here, and then I guess we can get in some news. Uh, all kinds of weird stuff going on out there, to be honest with you. It was kind of hard to pick on this one. Uh, I wanted to mention, so it looks like, because you and I talked about that, and I think you were a fan of Stargate, right? Was it you? The yeah. original series? Okay, it looks like they're rebooting that. So I want to throw that out there. Nah, I don't know. This will be the, like the I think the fourth iteration of the whole Stargate franchise. So. Um. I don't know. I know they had a bunch of spinoff series and they were all pretty fun. Um, I know they didn't necessarily reboot the original one. Um, but like when MacGyver retired from playing Kurt Russell's role, uh, they got some other kid to take over. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was a different character and everything, but like to take over as leader of the group. Right. Um, I think they had like Atlantis and stuff too, didn't they? Didn't they have like yeah, spinoffs? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's been probably a decade since I've watched anything. I, I think that's that. as old as it's out. Yeah, and I only bring it up because, you know, I, I thought you, we talked about it before, and there's a bunch of other listeners that are kind of like sci-fi Stargate fans. You know, they're rebooting these old franchises, but I know that was a big one. So, you know, just want to throw it out there. So, you know, pay attention to it. But yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I kind of thought so. We'll, we'll see what the premise is. You know, again, sometimes, uh, you know, let's not rehash something that was good because you're going to ruin it. But Well, uh, you know. You could come up with original IP or you could leverage shit you already own, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the the theory of Hollywood, right? So that's what it really all boils down to at the end of the day. But anyway, but onwards and upwards here. Uh, I'll kick this one off if you don't mind. Uh, this is kind of scientific but it is very interesting. Subbed on this a couple days ago. Uh, this is an article written by David Cohen uh, off The New Scientist. It's uh, Plasma Blobs Hint at New Form of Life. So the title doesn't grab you, but when I kind of went in and started reading this thing, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So (laughs) check this shit out, dude. So physicists have created blobs of gaseous plasma that can grow, replicate, and communicate, fulfilling most Mm. of the traditional requirements for biological cells. Uh, Without inherited material, they cannot be described as alive, but the researchers believe these curious fears may offer radical new uh, explanation. God, Jesus, hold on, rent a tongue, uh, for how the life began. So... Um, again, kind of cool. And again, because this is so controversial, <laughs> of course, there's other scientists, um, not believing this scientist. And again, these names, I don't know why I always get stuck with these names. He is running a, he's part of a university in Romania. His name is Mircea Sandolovacio. Uh, let's call him Sal for short. Anyway, sure. so he has this theory uh, that is completely brand new and revised. Uh, and he's saying researchers studied environmental conditions similar to those that existed on Earth before life began, when the planet was enveloped in electrical storms that caused ionized gases called plasmas to form in the atmosphere. So, you know, fun times. Uh, so this is what he did. He inserted electrodes into a chamber containing argon, which is a gas, and high voltage, and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Uh, he made life. This plasma thing came to being, and inside it, it says trapped inside the boundary, was an inner nucleus of gas atoms, the amount of energy in this initial spark governed their size and lifespan. So that's what they're talking about. Life, not as traditional as we know it, but it is, it, it's 
growing or living or whatever have you. Um, and Sal says grew spheres from a few micrometers up to three centimeters in diameter. And then it split in two, a distinct boundary layer that confines and separates an object from its environmental environment is one of the four main criteria generally used to define living cells. So he decided to find out if his cells met the other criteria. Lo and behold, they did the ability to replicate, uh, to communicate information and to metabolize and grow. And I just want to say communicating uh, is a very loosey-goosey term here. How he's seeing it is uh, vibration. They're basically talking with each other with different vibrations um, of electrical interference within the gas and plasma and all that stuff. The problem is we can only do this, and they only mimic this in uh, a temperature-controlled lab. And so this is where the other scientists are going, no, bullshit, this isn't working, because they're saying, hey, if this is how life possibly began, and this is what the scientist is saying, that it's very, very logical that during that millions of years ago with electrical storms, whatever have you, that this could have been a proposal to life rather than our traditional you know, uh, amoeba crawling out of the ocean type thing, microorganisms, not to say that this isn't something either. So, so the scientists are kind of calling Matt a little bit on it, but, uh, but it's interesting, you know, first. And then second of all, I guess my question for you, dude, is what the fuck? How do these people decide that this is the experiments they're going to do? Like that's, it's not even the experiment that's occurring. It's, hey, I got an idea. Like, where do these ideas come from? I, I just, it baffles me when we cover these stories and we talk about them. It's crazy. I don't know. I think that's like the whole point of science and being a scientist is to be like, I wonder about this. I'm going to experiment and figure it out. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that out of the experiments that do go right, how many thousands go drastically wrong? So, you know, there's that too. I'm, I'm sure there's a formula. Yeah, I think balanced. that's why it probably doesn't pay all that great in general. I, you have to be dedicated, I would assume, to be a lifelong scientist, especially if you're just really good at getting funding. Uh, yeah, that too, you know, but man, I would think that you'd have to be a little like, oh man, you know, especially if your experiments aren't working and you don't have a good track record, it's hard to keep focused and keep doing what you're doing. And like you said, money, you know, if, uh, you don't get the funding, you're not going to get the research. You're not going to have the, the fancy experiments. So, you know, that's yeah, that's a whole other side of it. thinking of them getting kicked out of the lab and. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. My favorite show. One of them. Anyway. But interesting. Yeah, uh, I found that. So I'm going to track that story a little bit. And there's some other experiments around that uh, that I haven't read through, but it's kind of the same. It's kind of, they're kicking around the same theory of just an alternate view of what life could be, how life began. You know, just because we know this biological version, that doesn't mean that there's not other life forms out there, you know. That, that is created completely wildly different. You know, it's just just crazy. So, yeah. All Speaking right. of crazy. Yeah, I'm here. Um, somebody blew up the Georgia Guidestones. Um, so this is from I the debrief by Micah Hanks. Mysterious Georgia Guidestones, America's Stonehenge, quote unquote, <laughs> vandalized an early morning explosion. Uh, this happened like, I think a couple weeks ago, so... It's not breaking news anymore, but I think this was written right after it happened. Um, The Georgia Guidestones, a monument often referred to as America's Stonehenge, were reportedly severely vandalized early Wednesday morning, according to local news reports. Located near Elberton, Georgia, the curious monument has long been a source of intrigue and speculation due to the content of messages that appear on the massive stone columns. 
Hmm. Authorities were seen at the site early Wednesday morning where the area residents reportedly heard an explosion at around 4 a.m. local time. Chris Kubas, the executive vice president of the Elberton Granite Society, was quoted by Fox 5 Atlanta saying that one of the primary wings of the pillars of the monument, or sorry, one of the primary wings or pillars of the monument was completely destroyed. Photos online appeared to show a pile of rubble at the site, possibly indicating the complete destruction of one of the monument's three primary columns, along with barricade tape around the location. And I think that eventually, like, uh, security camera footage got put online of the actual explosion. I I was going to say, yeah, I mean, if they had any, you know, on it, which uh, I don't know, I assume. I've never heard of it personally. I mean, until you stumble on the story, I didn't even know that thing existed. But Oh, uh, really? I thought we'd talked about it a bunch. Well, I don't know. I don't remember that. But then again, Mm. I don't remember a lot of things. So there's Yeah, I was just going to say the (laughs) same. The debrief reached out to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation for comment on its involvement in the investigation into the apparent vandalism and further asked for communication that a blast occurred, but did not receive response as of the time of publication. And then in parentheses, update a statement later issued by the GBI on Twitter confirms apparent explosion as well as destruction of the monument so Um, so i hate to ask this but does number one i don't understand why somebody would do that unless it was a and i hate to go down this road a political view you know it of what it stood for what they misread it to stand for is that like it is that what it sounds like it what we're we're getting into that okay okay here we go so yeah we're we're getting to that okay (laughs) uh (laughs) The guidestones are composed of six large granite slabs, each weighing nearly 238,000 pounds and standing taller than 19 feet. Initially revealed to the public in 1980, the structure depicts a set of 10 instructions presented as a guide for future humanity, which appears in eight different modern languages. Mm. This is where it gets a little bit weird. Um, Like, uh... The structure was assembled by a local granite company in nearby Elberton, which had reportedly been commissioned by an individual known only by the pseudonym Robert C. Christian. References to themes including eugenics and population control that appear on the monument have caused the guide or have caused the guidelines to become a frequent focus of speculation and conspiracy theories over the years. Okay, now it's painting um, a picture. All right. Yeah, like the first one in English says maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> and then other inscriptions include calls for guiding reproduction wisely, uniting humanity with a living new language, uh, protections for people in all nations under fair laws and just courts and the balance of personal rights with social duties. So aside from the eugenics shit, all that other stuff sounds yeah. fine with me. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, in 2015, J. Michael Bennett, PhD, a chemist and independent researcher based near Nashville, Tennessee, reported that he had uncovered a series of construction documents related to the monument. Among these had been an unusually worded document that appeared to shed light on the intent of the monument's anonymous builder. And then this uh, quotation. Contained herein are keys that have been awaited by awaited to be placed here. Uh, reads a portion of the document in proper sequencing and in proper order to announce the return and activation of those events of prophecy and signal these events. Those who have guarded this great mystery and have guarded the evolution of the human species itself are returning. 
it has begun. The peculiar document reportedly states. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, this, it goes on. This monument, uh, known as the Georgia Guidestones, shall find threads in unto the revelation of its mystery in the name R.C. Christian, otherwise known unto the contingency that is responsible for the erection of this monument as Christian Rosencrantz. Hmm. Uh, the presentation of keys upon the finding of it is to be delivered to the Elberton Star. The document states, referencing local area newspaper, the Elberton Star is to deliver it to the Atlanta Rosicrucian Society. Um, Bennett, who followed up with what appeared to be a telephone number included in the document, found it to belong to the Rosicrucian Society of Atlanta. Uh, Bennett's investigations into the mysterious origin of the Guidestone were the focus of a 2015 documentary, Dark Clouds Over Elberton, the true story of the Georgia Guidestones. In recent, in the recent apparent destruction, sorry, the recent apparent destruction of one of the monument's stone pillars is only one of several vandalizations that has occurred at the site in recent years. Graffiti was found painted onto the monument in 2008, which calls for death to the New World Order. Uh-huh. Again, in September 2014, the FBI was contacted by the Elberton County Maintenance Department after similar graffiti had been discovered at the location. In 2022, Gan- Candace Taylor, a minor candidate for Republican nomination for governor of Georgia, Here we go. managed to stoke controversy when she claimed that the destruction of the Guidestones would be among her campaign pledges after referring to them as a satanic landmark jesus christ so important uh, on your list of agendas to accomplish as of, <laughs> oh she uh, was like straight up q q and on dude oh god um several uh, law enforcement agencies are currently investigating the wednesday morning incident with the addition of a bomb squad that was also reportedly called to the scene following previous incidents involving vandalism in recent years cameras have operated continuously at the site and may be able to offer additional details about the blast that is believed to have destroyed a portion of the monument. Hmm. And if I remember right, they did have video of it and they caught the person who did it, I think already. Yeah. Because I remember seeing the news article, but not a follow-up. So I, Um, you know, I thought I saw something where a few days, like a couple days after it happened, they had the, video of it happening and then a couple days after that they were like we're looking for this guy and it was like a you know typical like q adjacent (laughs) i was gonna say like comet pizza believing right right you know pizza gate loving listens to way too much alex jones yeah you know yeah 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 for sure you know god you know it's like those uh, that that crowd like the alex jones crowd right hates this kind of shit because it's a little bit spooky and weird Oh, and yeah, they can't explain it. Sounds it frightens them. Globalist, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. But heaven know. forbid we bring the world together in peace and harmony. Fucking that's yeah, the last I mean, thing honestly, we do. I, I think it's just a, a thing that someone had built when they thought that there was still a really good chance of uh, nuclear annihilation, you know? Yeah, you know what? And in that time frame, absolutely. You know, and I can I can see that. I mean, I paint that picture. No matter, you know, mysterious or not. And it is kind of interesting. So uh, real quick, like, side thing on that. So, appreciate sharing the story, folks. What we'll do is we'll follow up uh, to see if they actually found the guy, um, you know, and go from there. But it's interesting. So, you know, the wife and I love just kind of going around the, the country, if we can, or, you know, at least our neck of the woods, and just finding weird shit. Because there's tons of weird shit out there. You know, Route 66 and all these things, you know, yada, yada. And a lot of them are not there anymore. You know, just because, you know, history kind of washed them away. 
But there was a guy back in the 30s who built a, or no, sorry, it was uh, in the 50s. He built an exact replica of Stonehenge on his property. And it's right in between like the Washington, Oregon border. If you're down by the dolls where the, like you're heading into Portland, going that route. Uh, It's I think Sunnyside, I want to say it's in that area. But And we went there and and it is an exact replica of Stonehenge. And he built it for uh, World War II veterans is why he did it. But the money he put into doing it. And then he opened a museum to represent some princess in some weird country that's adjacent from Turkey and she visited once and he was like enamored with, it's just in this tiny little town of like maybe 50 people, this thing is in there. And so, and another reason I bring it up because you talk about the, this, you know, the Georgia Guidestones and all that, which again, I don't remember hearing about, but you know, it's just amazing these things. And then what was it uh, last year or two years ago? Remind me the Utah um, uh, column that showed up in the middle of the desert Oh yeah, that nobody knew yeah. where it came from, you know? Yeah. Well, it was it was definitely man made, and then I remember it also right. disappeared. But I think video surfaced of someone rolling up and just taking it. I, I think they did some pickup truck backing up and just loading in the back and rolling out with it. And it was some artist that uh, you know supposedly tracked it down, like he put it there in the early two thousands or something. Yeah, but it's just it, it's amazing. People take the time and the ambition to do something like that, only to have crackpots come by because they're scared or they don't understand or it's just fucking just to be malicious. And they destroy it, you know, and then there's yep. one more little quirky thing that we don't have in the world. You know, it's just, it's just dumb. I just don't understand humankind when it comes to that kind of shit. So, you know, anyway, but, uh, here's some more, uh, strange things that, uh, you know, the Q probably won't believe at all. And they'd probably hang this gal if they ran into her, a uh, woman who supposedly talks to aliens now claims to perform miracles. Uh, this is written by Andrea Ruiz. And I've heard about this gal before. Uh, She's out of Columbia. Her name is Maria Fernanda Walker. And so it was years ago she actually proclaimed, she's been saying the same thing about she talks to aliens and they talk back to her and they give her like guidance and future forecasts of what the world will be and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so she's been in the news before. But now she's causing controversy yet again. So uh, Maria Fernanda Walker, the medium who claims to speak with aliens, surprised the public again when she said that she cannot perform, that she can perform miracles and heal people who have health issues. Uh, Maria Walker said that she can heal damaged organs with the vibrations of her voice. Yeah, why not, right? Um, Walker became popular in social media and in the press after asserting that she can allegedly communicate with aliens and has the power to speak their language. Through videos on TikTok or Instagram, which is what, hey, everybody who can talk to aliens, that's her go-to, right? Uh, She often shares her knowledge with her followers and sends messages of peace and love. Uh, Maria Fernanda, the Columbia medium who claims to be able to talk to aliens, declared in an interview with A. Rojo Vivo, that she is capable of healing people through the vibrations that come from her voice. She says, quote, I am a medium, a communication portal between the divine and here on earth, she says, unquote. Uh, She says, I transmit sound frequencies from other dimensions. I bring it here with vocal notes, and I transmit it here on earth, the Columbian stated about her gift. So, um, I bet you're asking, well, what does she say when she speaks to the aliens? (laughs) Well, let me tell you what she says. In an interview, Walker said that her gift began to develop in 2012, and that was when she realized that she could understand more than others and even have that approach with the forces of, quote-unquote, other dimensions that many people are not able to understand. Likewise, she pointed out that her power manifests through sounds. 
your body, the cells, all your energy will understand. The mind will not, she says. They are sounds. It is frequency, like when you listen to a song and you like it, she said in a recent interview. At that time, my body had so much energy that I didn't understand it. It was a lot of frequency. It was so much that I couldn't chew, she said. Uh, so now you're asking, well, is she a crackpot? Well, you know, Medium told the Telemundo program that one of the people she helped was seriously ill after contracting malaria in the Colombian jungle. Uh, one Daniel Silva asked her for help, and she did not hesitate to offer him her support through her gifts. And evidently there's a video on here that shows the, the miraculous healing that she supposed on him. Um, quote, if there's any physical organ in the body that wants to raise the frequency, immediately the sound probes begin to raise it, and the same organ with its cells begin to approve. Uh, and then the young man, Daniel Silva, the young man who went to one of the sessions with a Colombian medium to cure malaria, he got after spent a few days in the Colombian jungle, recounted his experience, and pointed out that women are a channel to energies and to healing people. He said that it was just a tool that he entered a trance the moment he started the session. And evidently, uh, everything was clear, and there's another video of it. If I can find it, I'll, I'll post on the show notes. Um, that, And I watched it briefly. I... I, I I'm, you know, I don't know, real or, or fake. And here's the thing. There's so many of these people. And I think I picked this one just because she's been out there before. She's noted before. She's got quite a following. Rumors has it she's got, like, cult-like status in Columbia. Whether, you know, the jury's out on that, whether that's a thing or not. But um, I don't know. As much as I want to believe in stuff like this and how the body heals. And we've had guests on. I think if you remember... Uh, Thomas Winterden and his wife, uh, she believes that she could heal by vibration, uh, frequency. You know, I'm not saying that you can't, and it would be nice to think that, but I don't know. I When you get TikTok and Instagram involved, it's like, nah, you know, I, you just, you yeah, just lost me. Yeah, it's just that, so. like, shit like that is so full of scam stuff, you know what uh, I mean? And, it, yeah, like, and it's so hard to swallow, it you It makes know. it hard to find anyone who believes that it's real, like, really believes it, that they're not just scamming. And uh, even then, they might believe it and still be scamming. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, Well, and that's the thing. And even, and it, you know, and you get somebody that really, maybe there is something to this and there is frequency and it does work and it does heal. But nobody wants to go through all the bullshit of all the other, like you said, scams to find that out, you know? And well, just it's like, okay, it let's test it in a lab to see how it works. But also, like, whenever that happens... It, it's laughed at then, you know? On that, yeah, on that whether level, the tests are conclusive you know? or not. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why this whole pseudoscience thing, <clears throat> you know, it, it's... Um, I don't know. It, it's hard for it to get trash, and that's for sure. And it's hard when you have scientists actually really back something up that might be a little bit more, you know, so, like Loeb, for example. Um, you know, amazing what he does. But, man, trying to get people to listen, and he had a lot of enemies on it, too. So, you know, just just yeah. a shame. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. we got some more news tidbits for you. And then I've got a quick little thing on history that I, if we have time, we'll cover it. It's a short read, but uh, it's something that I just didn't know, and it kind of fascinates me that somebody would try to do this anyway. Uh, so stand by, everybody. We'll be right back. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6954. 
1-800-645-645 Open the gates Alright, and we're back um, I think you're up, Josh I Am think, I? I think I am, yeah. okay yeah. Um, This is from uh, CNN The, you know mainstream media or whatever funny uh um but i also saw uh, i don't even remember who it was on instagram i think atlas news uh had posted an article about this too um fbi investigation determined chinese made huawei equipment could disrupt u.s nuclear arsenal communications oh that doesn't sound good right (laughs) jesus (laughs) Um, on paper, it looked like a fantastic deal in 2017. The Chinese government was offering to spend $100 million to build an ornate Chinese garden at the National... Wow, that's a word I can't say. Arboretum? <laughs> Arboretum? Arboretum? Yeah, I'll give it to you. Sounds, yeah, sounds plausible. Um, in Washington, D.C., complete with uh, temples, pavilions, and a 70-foot white pagoda, the project... Thrilled local officials who hoped it would attract thousands of tourists every year. But when U.S. counterintelligence officials began digging into the details, they found numerous red flags. The pagoda, they noted, would have been strategically placed on one of the highest points in Washington, D.C., just two miles from the U.S. Capitol, the perfect spot for signals intelligence collection. <laughs> Multiple God. sources familiar with the episode uh, with the episode told CNN. <laughs> Yeah. That's hilarious. Also alarming was that the Chinese officials wanted to build the pagoda with materials shipped to the U.S. in diplomatic pouches, which customs officials are barred from examining, the sources said. Uh, this just reminds me of when um, we were building our embassy in Moscow and the construction companies were just like lining the walls with listening devices oh my god yeah i remember hearing bits and pieces like that it's like jesus christ it it still (laughs) continues you know yeah um federal officials quietly killed the project before construction was underway uh the wall street journal first reported about security concerns in 2018 the canceled garden is part of a frenzy of counterintelligence activity by the fbi and other federal agencies focused on what career U.S. security officials say has been a dramatic escalation of Chinese espionage on U.S. soil over the past decade. And you know I like me some spy stuff. <laughs> since the last, or since at least 2017, federal officials have investigated Chinese land purchases near critical infrastructure, shut down a high-profile regional consulate believed by the U.S. government to be a hotbed of Chinese spies, and stonewalled what they saw as clear efforts to plant listening devices near-sensitive military and government facilities. Among the most alarming of of things the FBI uncovered uh, pertains to Chinese-made Huawei equipment atop cell towers near the U.S. military bases in the rural Midwest, according to multiple sources familiar with the matter. The FBI determined the equipment was capable of capturing and disrupting highly restricted Defense Department communications, including those used by U.S. Strategic Command, which oversees the country's nuclear weapons. Oh, fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Uh, While broad concerns about Huawei equipment near U.S. military installations have been well known, the existence of this investigation and its findings have never been reported. Its origins stretch back to at least the Obama administration, uh, it was described by to CNN by more than a dozen sources. 
including current and former national security officials, all of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly. It is unclear if the intelligence community determined whether any data was actually intercepted and sent back to Beijing from these towers. Sources familiar with the issues say that from a technological standpoint, or sorry, from a technical standpoint, it's incredibly difficult to prove a given package of data was stolen and sent overseas. The Chinese government strongly denies any efforts to spy on the U.S. Huawei, in a statement to CNN, also denied that its equipment is capable of operating in any communication spectrum allocated to the Defense Department. Oh, well, we're good then. I mean, if they're saying it, they they would definitely uh, never never be untruthful about that. Um, But multiple sources familiar with the investigation tell CNN that there's no question the Huawei equipment has the ability to intercept not only commercial cell traffic, but also highly restricted airwaves used by the military and disrupt critical U.S. strategic command communications, giving the Chinese government a potential window into America's nuclear arsenal. This gets into the <laughs> into some of the most sensitive things we do, said one former FBI official with knowledge of the investigation. You think? It would impact our ability for essentially command and control with the nuclear triad. Uh, that goes into the bfd category <laughs> jesus christ i like how he abbreviated that yeah if it's My possible God. for that to be disrupted then that is a very bad day this person added well i'm um, glad he painted that picture so. yeah and this goes on that's just am- that amazing that whole talk about a lot of stuff like uh, uh critics see xenophobic overreach which is a thing that you do need to be careful of when you're talking about uh china as a near peer rival you know mm-hmm. and like you know, remember that we're talking about the government and not the people, you know? Right. Right. Well, and that's, and it amazes me too, that this stuff goes on and, you know, and it goes like you talked about, they, they own land or, you know, they purchased, I actually stumbled on an article was it last week and it was talking about other countries that own land in the United States. And, you know, you mm-hmm. always hear, Oh, China and, you know, Russia own more land and that. And well, like in the late eighties, early nineties, it was Japan. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like everybody assumed, you know, this and that, but it was interesting because there's 67 different countries that own land in the United States. The largest of the country, can you guess which is the country that owns the most land other than us in our own country? Just to take Great a jabby. Um, close. I think Great Britain came in like number five. Uh, Canada actually owns more land in the United States than any other country by far. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, they yeah, talk about I that. I'm not saying China's people... not on the list because China was on the list. I, I don't to, you know, whitewash that. It, they were just down a lot further than I thought they were from what you usually hear rumors, right? So, anyway. Yeah. And I think that's where a little bit of the like uh, possible like xenophobic phobia and racism comes in where it's like mm-hmm. they're way down on the list but because they're a near peer rival and it's america and people are racist yeah um yeah. yeah that it gets made like a much bigger deal gets made about the land they own than the land canada I, I, absolutely owns. because it, it really goes back to why do they own that land what's their agenda you know and that's it's not necessary and that's what fuels all that hate and that racism and all that other bullshit and, you know well why would they and then it's all paranoia and then it just goes out of control so yeah it's 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 a crazy yeah it's a crazy thing for sure and they got how many things we buy from china anyway on a daily basis so you know there's that but anyway speaking of land uh we're actually going to talk about land here we're going to go into the ocean 
Uh, I stumbled on this, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, and again, you can find these pictures. I'll see if I can't uh, put links on there. Uh, baffled scientists discover perfectly aligned holes punched into the ground 1.7 miles below the surface of the Atlantic Ocean that look like human-made excavations. Uh, so this actually is from Newsbreaks by Christopher Carboni. Uh, scientists discovered some unexplained mysterious holes in the seabed 1.7 miles below the surface. Uh, what's interesting when you look at the pictures, they're compl- they're perfectly in line and they're perfectly the exact same distance away from one another, and the holes are mimicked. Like they're not like one's round, one's a you know rectangle, one's a. They look the same, so they look like it was something mechanical. Um, just very interesting because you know they stumble on this, and and being you know you're almost two miles you know, down in the in the water, that that's a ways. You know even for like oil rigging and stuff like that. Um, just kind of just kind of interesting. But what I, I found funny was, uh, let me cover this real quick. So the explorers are part of NOAA's Voyage of the Ridge 2022, a series of three ocean explorations that include mapping and remotely operating uh, vehicles to gain a better understanding of deep water areas around the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, Azores Plateau, and Charlie Gibbs Fracture Zone. Um, and then they're asking uh, Facebook, of course, as one does, what do you think? <laughs> so some of the comments. And again, you know, it could be anything. Uh, somebody said, I wonder if some company may be conducting seafloor samples. Um, again, they look mechanical. But to have them rudimentary and have them perfectly spaced out in a perfect line, and I don't know what they would be doing samples for. Uh, somebody else said, uh, upwelling, fresh water from a land source, bubbling up maybe. Uh, if there's a rock under these, allowing the, the flowing water to break through in that linear manner. Um, which has occurred, so it's more nature. Um, and then, of course, you know, don't forget the, well, it was aliens. We're not going to say it's aliens, but it's aliens. So, you know, there's <laughs> Of course that. it's aliens. Right, it's always aliens. Uh, the Mid-Atlantic Range spans the north-south length of the Atlantic Ocean and stretches for 10,000 miles, making it the longest mountain range in the world and one of Earth's most impressive geological features. Uh, since most of it sits underwater, it remains largely un- unexplored. Till now, and they're starting to do this, but this is what they uh, this is what they found. And if you pull up the pictures, all I think I, I texted you the link on that. Uh, it's just interesting when you look at them. So, uh, yeah, yeah, strange things above ground and below ground for sure. So, yeah, that. Um, yeah, uh, what do you else you got on your side? I'm thinking I'm gonna wait on this last one it, again. It's more history. Did you have another one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. Which is also a little bit of history nice. and mystery. Nice. Love it. Uh, this one was actually something um, our good buddy John sent us uh, a few days ago. Just texted oh, us the story, but I have yeah. to scroll all the way back up to the top of it. <laughs> I think Summerton I Man this. mystery solved as DNA points to man's identity. Professor claims. Um, and I think we've talked about the Summerton man on the show before. I think um, we, ha- yeah, I think I remember that. Cool. Um, just, uh, a quick overview if in case the listener hasn't heard of about it, it was a, a body that was discovered on a beach in Australia in like 1945, I think 48. Um, and, uh, no one could identify him forever. And I think mm-hmm. that the cause of death was, uh, question wasn't wasn't exactly known if i remember right um anyway let's get into it because i'm sure they're going to bring that up (laughs) uh a professor who has dedicated decades to solving one of australia's most enduring mysteries claims he has 
discovered the identity of the Somerton man. Derek Abbott from the University of Adelaide says the body of a man found on one of the city's beaches in 1948 belonged to Carl Charles Webb, an electrical engineer and instrument maker born in Melbourne in 1905. South Australia Police and Forensic Science South Australia have not verified the findings of Abbott, who worked with a renowned American genealogist, Colleen Fitzpatrick, to identify Webb as the Somerton Man. Hmm. For uh, Forensic Science SA. Oh, okay. Forensic Science SA, South Australia. So that's what that means when we hear it later. Uh, declined to comment and reference, or sorry, de- declined to comment and referred CNN to South Australian police who said there were no updates and that police would provide further comment when results from the testing are received. Using DNA sequencing, Abbott says he and Fitzpatrick were able to locate the final piece of the puzzle that has captivated historians, amateur sleuths, and conspiracy theorists for more than 70 years. Last May, South Australia police responded to Abbott's call to exhume the Summerton man's body, and experts at Forensic Science essay started work to try and find the best way to analyze his DNA. But in Hmm. the end, Abbott, a professor at the Adelaide University School of Electrical and Electromagnetic or Electronic Engineering, claims it was strands of the man's hair trapped in a plaster death mask made by the police in the late 1940s that provided him with what he says is proof of the man's identity. Police gave Abbott strands of the uh, strands of the hair a decade ago as he continued what had become a personal quest to solve the Somerton Man mystery. The hair was examined for years by a team of DNA experts at the University of Adelaide who provided the DNA information that allowed Abbott and Fitzpatrick to further narrow the field. By March, Abbott said he had already established Webb's name through years of painstaking work with Fitzpatrick to build a complex family tree of around 4,000 names that led to Webb, whose date of death had not been recorded. Hmm. Okay. By filling out his or sorry, by filling out this tree, we managed to find a first cousin three times removed on his mother's side, Jesus. <laughs> said Abbott. And on July 23rd, they matched DNA obtained from the hair of from the hair to DNA tests taken by Webb's distant relatives. It's like one of these folklore mysteries that everybody wants to solve. And we did it, said Fitzpatrick, who has investigated other cold cases, including the disappearance of Amelia Earhart in 1937 mm. and the 1948 clash of crash of Northwest flight for 4422. It just felt like I climbed up and I was at the top of Mount Everest, said Abbott in the moment they made the the apparent DNA match. While the dis- while. The discovery appears to close the file on the Somerton Man mystery. The apparent confirmation of Webb's name raises many more questions about who he was and how he died. If verified, it also creates more questions about the strange clues around the case, including the final words of the Persian poem found in his fob pocket and what appeared to be wartime codes scribbled in a book Hmm. that for many years prompted speculation that he was a spy. Those clues can now be reinterpreted with information from public records, but the full truth may only emerge with the time as word of the man's reported identity spreads. Who was the Somerton Man? The Somerton Man mystery began in the early hours of December 1st, 1948, when beachgoers found a body lying on Somerton Beach in Adelaide. 
The man was well built, about 40 to 50 years old, 5 feet 11 inches tall, and had gray blue eyes and gingery brown hair that was graying at the sides. Wow. <laughs> he wasn't carrying identification, forcing police to look for other clues, according to the inquest held in the years after his death by investigators keen to close the case. In his pockets, they found tickets that suggested he had taken train to Adelaide Railway Station the day before and checked in a suitcase in the station's luggage room. The suitcase contained clothes with the labels torn off, and uh, police told the inquest that a tailor thought the coat had U.S. origins despite those clues. The case didn't supply them with a name either, uh, the inquest heard. Hmm. The man's fingerprints and photograph were sent around the world, including the United Kingdom, United States, and English-speaking countries in Africa. A letter dated January 1949, signed by FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, confirmed the U.S. had found no match for his fingerprints in its files, the inquest heard. Perhaps the most baffling clues came several months after the body was found. A pathologist re-examining his clothing had found a hidden fob pocket containing a rolled-up piece of paper printed with the words, Tamman Should meaning the end or finished in Persian. They are the final what? words of the poem, the Rubiai Rubiat by 11th century Iranian polymath, Omar Khayyam and had been torn from a book later handed into police. An unnamed man said he found it discarded in his car on November 30th, the day before the Somerton man's death. The man had no further information, but the book supplied yet more baffling clues. Police traced a handwritten phone number on the back cover to a woman who lived nearby sorry who lived in the nearby adelaide suburb of glenelg she was reportedly horrified when shown the death mask though denied she knew the man near uh near the phone number were scribbled letters that some surmised could be a secret wartime code though all attempts to decipher it have failed it now appears the truth is potentially more pedestrian According to Abbott, Webb was born in November 16th, 1905 in uh, Footscree, a suburb of Victoria's state capital, Melbourne. He was the youngest of six siblings. Little is known about his early life, Abbott says, but he later married Dorothy Robertson, known as Doff Webb. When Webb emerged as the prime person of interest in the on the family tree, Abbott and Fitzpatrick set to work sourcing public records for information about him. They checked electoral rolls, police files, and legal documents. Unfortunately, there were no photos of him to make a visual match. The last known record we have of him is April 1947 when he left Dorothy, said Fitzpatrick, founder of uh, Identifiers International, a genealogical research agency involved in some of America's most high-profile cold cases. He disappeared, and she appeared in court saying that he had disappeared and that she wanted to divorce, Fitzpatrick said. They had no known children. Fitzpatrick and Abbott say Robertson filed for divorce in Melbourne, but 1951 documents revealed she had moved to Butte, South Australia, 144 kilometers northeast of Adelaide, establishing a link to the neighboring state where the body was found. Hmm. It's possible that he came to this state to try and find her, Abbott speculated. This is just us drawing, drawing the dots. We can't say for certain... We can't say for certain that his that this is the reason he came, but it seems logical. The information on public record about Webb shed some light on the mysteries that have surrounded the case. They reveal he liked betting on horses, which may explain the code found in the book, 
said Abbott, who had long speculated that the letters could correspond to horses' names. In the Tam and Should poem, Webb liked poetry and even wrote his own, Abbott said, based on research. What evidence is there? Back in 1949, when no one came forward to identify the body, it was embalmed and a plaster cast was made of the man's face as a physical reminder of who he was. Some hair inadvertently became trapped in the plaster, preserving some DNA while the rest of the body was buried. Decades later, in 1995, Abbott heard about the case and set about trying to unravel it. In 2011, SA police gave Abbott access to 50 hairs found embedded in the Somerton man's mask. So scientists at the University of Adelaide could attempt to extract the DNA. Around 20 people at the university worked on the project over the years, Abbott said. CNN has researched out to the or sorry, has reached out to the University of Adelaide for comment on Abbott's findings. In 2012, the university team extracted DNA from the hair showing the Somerton man's mental group, or sorry, maternal group. Then several years later, they made a major breakthrough to refine the halo group further to some letters and numbers, whatever. Um, By that time, Abbott and Fitzpatrick had been working for years to re-examine clues from his body and the suitcase anything that might shed more light on the case. They said they used forensic geology or genealogy to mine DNA databases and build the family tree that led to Webb, confirmed by the work on the pieces of hair. This is probably one of the older cases that has been solved using this methodology, said Fitzpatrick. His, this hair is not only 70 years old, but it's been in a plaster cast for 70 years. Abbott said hmm. that he had not taken his findings to SA police as they were conducting a parallel investigation. Their protocol is not to talk about the case until their part is done. He said, uh, they will most likely approach us university of Adelaide after our announcement. The DNA findings are incontrovertible for Fitzpatrick. There are now more questions than answers. I'm really very interested in helping solve the mystery of how he died. She said, I would like to see the toxicology done and I would like to find out what happened to Dorothy. Abbott says they're convinced they've found their man in anything like this. You can only be 99.999% sure that it's right. He said, strange things can happen. There can be a twist. Just say hypothetically, what if this guy had a brother that had adopted, was adopted out of birth that we don't know about. And this is really his brother, but he says that's probably unlikely. Wow. Yeah, but DNA has also definitively put to rest speculation that the Somerton man was the grandfather of Abbott's wife, Rachel Egan. Abbott said the couple met when his research for answers led him to her father, Robin Thomas, who seemed to share some of the same physical attributes. Abbott says finding out there was no link was a great relief. It was just uh, the tension of not knowing either way, he said. So it's just relief just to know the truth. Abbott now hopes their findings will be publicly verified and others will build on the information to create a fuller picture of the Somerton man now thought to be Carl Charles Webb, not a spy, but a Victorian man who died one day alone on a beach. I'll be damned. And I love a good mystery. That actually is kind of cool. And again, you know, to have somebody drag that back out and look at the case and do the research to try to figure out just for, yeah, that's great. It's crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's wild. What, what mysteries some people just lock onto. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and they do, and it's great. Fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm going to wrap up with this real quick. I've got a question for you. And again, what we're going to do every now and again uh, is, you know, we'll do the news, but there's so much stuff where news kind of correlates with history. 
uh, a lot, to be honest with you. And that right there, where you read Josh is a very good example of that. Um, something that was, you know, done and buried literally, and then come to find out, yeah, it's not even the case. And and here we are. So uh, let me ask you a question: When you are thinking about ghosts or the oldest picture of what would be a ghost, what do you think? Like, how far back do you think the oldest picture of a ghost would go? Curious. Oh pretty much back to the beginning of photography. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll go even more than that. How about 3,500 years? How's that sound? So, Did you say uh, there's a photograph that's 3,500 years old? <laughs> Not a photograph, but I well, and let, you know what? I, I, mis- I misworded. I said picture. Um, it would be more of a... Um, what do you say? It, uh, drawing depiction. or cl- yeah, depiction of, I suppose, you know, we'll go that way. So I, you know, I threw a curveball at you. Sorry. Anyway, um, 3,500 years. So, uh, they found this and this actually was last year. I want to say, I've been kind of hanging on to it. Uh, this is just a quick little tidbit that, uh, we're looking at doing these things and kind of narrating them and, and maybe throwing them out on YouTube. Josh actually is going to help put that together but this is uh this is something that might fall along those lines so we they discovered an ancient babylonian clay tablet again 35 years old or 3500 years old and it has a drawing of what they believe is a ghost uh, the ancient drawing features a lonely ghost or spirit led into the afterlife by its lover so the drawing was first discovered in the british museum by a curator in the middle eastern department the ancient tablet was acquired by the british museum in 1883 but was overlooked for decades before curator Dr. Irving Finkel <laughs> Finkel decided to take a closer look at it. Dr. Finkel made the discovery of the oldest drawing of a ghost uh, late last year in 2021. Yeah, so the drawing of the ghost can only be seen when it is viewed from above and under light, which is odd. Uh, the clay tablet is also very small and can fit in the palm of your hand. The front of the clay tablet featured the drawing of the ghost while the back served and get this, served as an instruction manual for the exorcism of a ghost. So the Babylonians evidently beat the Catholics to this game, it sounds like, um, even though it's not really instructions verbatim. It's pretty loosey-goosey. Uh, the guidelines were written to get rid of the ghost that took hold of a person and tormented him or her. At the end of the written text, a warning message proclaimed, do not look behind you. The solution to getting rid of the ghost was to give it a lover. So, yeah, as one does. So there you go. You know, something uh, that, again, gets drawn up in history and somebody starts looking at it. Oh, wait, I think this means something. And meanwhile, it's been gaining, you know, just gathering dust in a dirty old museum for how many how many years or centuries or decades, <laughs> you know? Crazy. Yeah. Anyway. But cool. So um, that's all I got. You got anything else on your side, man? Uh, no. Okay. Awesome. Um, again, for new listeners, and I, we've got actually a few, I think. I've been looking at some of the stats. Uh, for those of you who are picking us up and listening to us, thank you very much. Hopefully you enjoy it. Um, if you have any recommendations or something that you kind of want to, yeah, hey, you know, we'd like you guys to talk about this or go down this road or fall down this rabbit hole, be more than happy to do that. Uh, you can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can call us at 801-252-69. 45. <laughs> 45. Beat me to it. God damn it. And if you're listeners that uh, have been uh, fans for a while, thank you. Just big thank you. Big thank you to the patrons. Appreciate your um, your support on that. You know, it goes without saying. We're still trying to correlate some uh, some stuff for you guys, so we have uh, special content for you. So stand by for that. Uh, there will be more coming down the pike. Um, what you got on your side, man? Um, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash strange uncles if you want um 
you can also find us at strange uncles podcast on facebook and instagram uh we're at strange uncles on twitter um we're trying to revive the youtube channel and have it be more than just uh videos of an audio podcast (laughs) would be nice Um, but we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes um but you can see some of our past work there when we used to give it a little more attention and uh hopefully we'll have some new content coming soon um I think that's about it. Yeah, you know, it was crazy back in the day when uh, this COVID thing was around and you didn't have anything else to do but put out content. So, yeah. Yeah, and then back to work. So, here we are. Yeah. So, anyway. But uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Stand by for more topics. We'll be back with you again. We're doing this weekly for any of the new listeners out there. Uh, Would love to hear from you. So, Thanks, Josh. Have a good rest of the day, man. Uh, We might go out and try to see that Nope movie here later on this afternoon, I think, once we get things done. So if I check it out, I'll let you know how it is, and we'll go from there. So awesome. Close the gates.